The RSVP Trust, changing lives around the world. Hi, my name's Don Egan and welcome to today's programme. Do drop me a line to let me know you heard the programme today. You can email me at don, that's D-O-N, at rsvptrust.co.uk. That's don at rsvptrust.co.uk. .co.uk. I'd love to hear from you that you heard the program and if you've got any comments or suggestions they would be welcome to. But uh, for now let's go over to the message where I ask the question where are you? I just want to ask you this morning where are you sitting? And I'm not going back to what we said at the beginning of the service about why does everyone sit at the back? I'm asking you, where are you sitting? I want to look at uh, something that wasn't in the reading, but something I've been thinking about in Matthew 9 and verse 9. It's the calling of Matthew. And it just says this, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. And when I ever I read the calling of the twelve, I always wish they'd told us more. Peter and James were fishermen, but that doesn't really say it. They, they owned the business. They owned the business. Imagine going down to Felixstowe or Alborough, where there's people with fishing businesses, and, and just saying, just give all that up and follow me. It's very unlikely, isn't it? Um, just imagine going to the tax office in Ipswich, Uh, and saying to the lady behind the counter, just leave all this and follow me. But that's kind of what happened to Matthew. He was sitting in his booth and Jesus saw him and he called him. It says as, uh, as he passed on from there, where did he pass on from? He passed on from his hometown. It was the story of the, the crippled man who was let down through the roof and Jesus healed him and they, uh, the religious people said, because Jesus said, your sin is forgiven, Jesus said, which is easier to say, your sin is forgiven or be healed. And he proved that he had power and the crippled man went home. So he's just come from that scene and um, he passed on from there, from this healing and this confrontation with religious people. Uh, who were only interested in tradition and laws and keeping people down. As someone said, Jesus didn't come to rub it in, he came to rub it out. And there's there's a mercy in Jesus that lifts us up. And whenever you get religious people pressing you down, that's not normally from God, but Jesus came and lifted people up. But it says he saw a man. And Jesus sees you. And sometimes we don't see each other. Last weekend I was preaching in Manchester, as some of you know, and um, I went up the M6 toll road thing. And there was a man or a woman sitting in the booth. But as I racked my brains this morning, I can't tell you whether it was a man or a woman. It was someone in a fluorescent yellow coat. I didn't see them. I saw them, but I didn't see them. But Jesus not only knew that Matthew was a man, but he saw him, he saw his potential. He didn't see him collecting taxes, he didn't see the tax inspector that everybody hated working for the Romans, he saw Matthew. And when God looks at you where you're sitting, 
in your job, in your what, however you spend your week. He sees you. He doesn't see somebody's dad or somebody's mum or somebody's son or daughter. He sees you. He sees the spirit in you that's created in his image. And Jesus saw Matthew and he sees you. And sometimes we feel that God seems very far off, but he's actually closer than your own arms and legs, closer than your own breath. And he sees you. And it's like uh, when Adam and Eve sinned and they hid from God and they heard God walking in the garden and hid from him and God said, Adam, where are you? And I don't think that was a geographical question. I don't think he was saying, which bush are you hiding in? I think he was saying, where are you? Where are you in our relationship? That I put you in this garden with this perfection and now it's all soiled and we've become disconnected. Where are you? And I think God asks us often, where are you? Where are you sitting? Where are you standing? Where are you in life? And he saw... Uh, a man. And he saw a man named Matthew. Now, um, he saw a man actually named Levi, later became called Matthew, which means the gift of God. That's great. Anyone here called Matthew? Oh, what a shame. Well, if you meet someone called Matthew, it's great, because if someone says you think you're God's gift, don't you? If you're called Matthew, you can say, yes, I am. <laughs> that's what Matthew means. That's, that's a great thing, isn't it, to be able to say but he was given that name, changed his name. And when God calls us, he changes us. He loves us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us just as we are. And he called Matthew. He saw him sitting in the booth. And I realized that as I was rushing up and down to Manchester last weekend, I probably passed a lot of people and uh, I didn't really see them. I missed them. In fact, there was... Um, I wasn't going to share this, but uh, I'm the only one that looks silly in this story, so I may as well uh, give you the truth. But uh, as you know, I, I travel around the world, and uh, that sounds very glamorous, but once or twice a year I go to other countries and travel around this country. And I was in Manchester, and uh, even the people whose church I went to don't know this because I was a bit embarrassed, but I was praying with about 30 people for healing, and, and uh, normally we just pray and things happen, and that's fine. But as I was sort of halfway through, a lady just fell down and began to weep. It was like the power of God meeting with her. And that doesn't always happen. I've seen it happen, but it doesn't always happen. And to be honest, I wasn't expecting it. So I'm kind of looking down the road thinking, I hope she's all right, because nobody was there to catch her. At which point, the lady I was praying with disappeared. And when I looked back, she wasn't there. And I thought, oh, something's happening. God is doing something. And then I kind of went round the back of the people, prayed with each person. And right at the end, there was a large lady, a lot taller than me. And I thought the falling down thing had finished uh, for the morning. But suddenly she went, oh, 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 and began to fall. And I, I was looking at the marble floor and thought, she'll hurt herself if she falls. So I kind of went into slow motion and did a rugby tackle to stop this dear lady banging her head on the floor and didn't quite make it and kind of stood there awkwardly, and as she went down, I heard the back of my trousers split. <laughs> and I'm 
I'm wondering what colour underpants I had on. I hope it wasn't the fluorescent orange ones. I hope it was the black ones because it might be less noticeable. And um, yes, where are we? <laughs> where are we? God was doing something and he wants to intervene in our lives and people shared at the end that, that some of the things that God was doing and touching. So God is concerned about us. But I think on that trip I kind of missed a lot of people and I think often Jesus just had time. We live in a world where everything's got to be instant and fast and we have email and I can email uh, our work in Africa and it's there in seconds and they send us messages back. But there's something about Jesus, he just had a rhythm that was different. So he's on the way to heal Jairus' daughter who was at death's door. So you think the blue lights would be on. It's an emergency. But he meets a woman who for 12 years has been bleeding internally. And he stops. And he takes time. And he calls a daughter and restores her. Not only heals her body, but when he called a daughter, she was expecting condemnation, but he called a daughter and restored the woman. And then also went on, not in a rush, and even when they said to Jairus, your daughter's dead, don't trouble the teacher, he said only believe and pressed on. God wants to come and touch us. Jesus wants to come and touch us. Here's a man who was like one of those people I didn't even see on the M6 toll road, sat in his booth, and yet his book that he wrote as a result of this encounter is part of of 66 volumes, which is the best-selling book in the world ever. He wrote down the story of his encounter with Jesus and what Jesus taught. And his book has transformed the world. So here's a man who nobody noticed except they hated paying taxes. But Jesus saw something in this man. And we don't hear lots about Matthew, but what he wrote down has transformed millions of lives around the world and there's something that you could do that you were created to do and God sees that in you and it may not to be to be a writer or a preacher or something but there's something that you are designed to do in this world and God is calling you and it may be something even bigger than you can imagine I mean, I used to just drive a minibus around Moss Side in Manchester, picking up under fives to take them to the playgroup. I did it for six years. And then God saw me and took me on an adventure. No one else saw Matthew, but God saw him, and he sees you today. There's a woman called Charlotte Elliot, and... Uh, she became severely disabled when she was a child and she was very bitter and angry against God. She resented the constraints that her disability put on her. And uh, one day a local minister was visiting to pray with her and she just had this outburst of rage and uh, she really expressed her feelings that didn't hold back. And he said that she shouldn't let her problems get in the way of what she really needed to hear, that she needed to be born again and receive Christ. And he left and she was so angry 
and felt that he'd been insensitive to someone with all her disabilities. But something happened and the words he said meant that shortly after that encounter she did ask Christ to come in uh, and come. She said she came just as she was with all her anger and all her bitterness and she asked Christ in just as the man had said she came just as she was. And then every year on the anniversary of that visit this pastor wrote to her and kept urging her to be strong in faith and not give up. Uh, she found it a very sore point that she couldn't go out and do God's work. As she began to know God and love God, she was very frustrated. And her brother was a preacher and an evangelist. And she became resentful of his ministry that he could just go here and there and see people. And she was virtually housebound. In 1836, on the 14th anniversary of her conversion at age 47, Charlotte Elliott wrote her spiritual biography in verse, and she poured out her feelings to God, feelings that millions of people have sung in the hymn, Just As I Am, without one plea. It's, uh, it's in the hymn book, 316. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Verse 4, she says, Just as I am poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. Many years later, her brother was reflecting on the impact that she had in writing that one hymn, and he said, In the course of a long ministry, I hope I've been permitted to see some fruit for my labours, but I feel far more has been done by a single hymn of my sisters, just as I am. And by the time of her death in 1871, she'd received over a thousand letters from people saying how uh, that hymn had helped her. And as many of you know, Billy Graham, that became Billy Graham's theme tune, and long after her death, it ministered uh, to millions of people around the world. And as he went into satellite television and world missions and all the things that Billy Graham did, that hymn that she wrote, kind of out of frustration, has touched so many people. So I read that story and think there aren't any excuses. Here was someone who was severely frustrated, and yet just as she worked on her relationship with God, something came out of that. Just like Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew came and transformed the world, so did uh, her him. And so Jesus sees Matthew and then he said, Jesus said, follow me. And the number one question you need to answer in life is, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? I was minding my own business, sat outside a tent, waiting for the kettle to boil, camp, camping in the, in the Lake District, waiting for a cup of coffee. And I was just reading the Bible. I was a new Christian, just began to read the book of Jeremiah. And God really spoke to me and told me I would go to lots of nations. And I remember saying, I'm too young. <laughs> I'm just in the church youth club. And I looked down and Jeremiah said the same thing. I'm too young. And God sent me. And it was that moment, whenever 
uh, I feel like giving up. I remember that God spoke to me and called me to do something, and he, he's speaking to all of us and calling us. It doesn't mean, it might not mean that we give up our job, or it might do. It might not mean that we move where we live, or it might do. Someone said it, a missionary is not someone who crosses the sea, but someone who sees the cross, someone who has that relationship uh, with Christ. So what is God saying to you? And the first thing he's saying to you is what he said to Matthew, follow me. A disciple is someone who follows. So he didn't mean I'm, <laughs> I'm going down the road, just walk behind me, but follow me, follow my lifestyle, follow my uh, uh, thoughts and teachings. Follow my example, do as I do. And Matthew followed him. And uh, there's a story of St. Cuthbert that I love. Uh, he was a man who heard the voice of God at different times. And one of the ways he got in touch with God, and I'm not recommending this, but uh, check with your doctor before you do it if you really want to. I shan't be doing it. But he used to get his kit off in the dark and walk into the sea up to his neck and then sing hymns of worship to God. Now, it doesn't work for me because I don't like being cold and wet and that involves both, so that's probably not how I'm going to do it. But he found a way to connect with God and for him it worked that it kind of uh, quelled the flesh a bit because you had to, you know, you're going to be brave to go into the sea at night. Uh, but it just took away this world and connected him with a world to come. Uh, and history is full of people who did something to connect their relationship uh, with God. And Matthew, it says, arose. So when God calls, we actually need to do something. When uh, God called me, it became evident gradually that he was calling me to train with an organization called Church Army. I knew a man in Church Army. And I didn't want anything to do with it. I always thought he looked like a bus conductor because he had to wear a grey uniform. In fact, while I was training, uh, I had to go every day in summer up to Wandsworth Prison and I had to catch a bus three stops. And uh, one day I got on an old route master and sat on the back seat because I was only going a few stops. And five people got on and said, 30 pence, please. Had I had a ticket machine, I could have made a killing. <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with it. And I remember seeing my friend and I, I said, um, I, I went to see him and he wasn't in. I popped a note through his door and said, I'm thinking God's calling me into church home. I want to speak to you. And I didn't see him for 18 months. And then I met him in the centre of Manchester and he said, I got your note. <laughs> and I wasn't in a rush because I really didn't think I wanted to do what God called me to do. But we have to do something. And Matthew rose up. He got up. And he left the tax office, left his booth and followed Christ. I want to just end with this. If you've got your Bible open, uh, it, just look at the beginning of Matthew chapter 10. If not, I'll just explain it. But it says that when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are, and then it lists them. It's interesting that at the beginning it says, uh, when he called his twelve disciples, so a disciple is a follower, he then gives them power and authority to heal the sick and drive out 
darkness and demons. And then it says the name of the twelve apostles are. So one minute they're disciples, people who follow, then they get filled with the Holy Spirit and then they become apostles. An apostle is the Greek word which means one who is sent. Missionaries is the Latin version of the Greek word apostle. So it's one who is sent. So he calls us to follow him in order that he can send us to do things. And God calls all of us to follow him and then calls us, sends us to do something. And for some of us, he sends us to stay where we are and be who we are. The people I stayed with in Manchester, uh, we used to have the church youth group in their front room. And they're in their mid-70s, I would think now, maybe later 70s. And they're still there. They're still key members of the church. So for them, they followed their calling. And what God said is stay right where you are and be faithful. Uh, And to many others that they knew, it meant going off somewhere. But God is calling each one of us. But when he calls us, he wants to fill us with his authority and his Holy Spirit that the world may know that Jesus is alive. Thanks for listening today and I really believe that God is calling you. Uh, As you've listened today, God is stirring something in you, he's calling you and uh, I've followed a calling of God 30 years ago and I can tell you it's been an incredible adventure and uh, I've been to places and seen things and met people I never dreamed of and I really recommend that if God calls you uh, that you should follow him and uh, just trust him to lead you in what he has for you. I'm going to pray for you now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each listener today that you would meet with them right now, that you would send the Holy Spirit wherever they are, whatever they're doing, that you would meet with them, come upon them, uh, speak to their hearts, call them into service in your kingdom, uh, that we together might glorify your name. I pray that you would uh, heal all sickness and disease to any who are listening today who are ill and that you will provide for all our needs in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, thanks for listening today and do drop me a line at uh, don at rsvptrust.co.uk. I'd love to get the emails about where people are listening from in the world. You might be just around the corner or you might be in Australia. There's uh, some guys we know there and... uh, Uh, I notice on the feed that someone from Denmark and so on. But I'd love to just hear that you've found us and that you're listening to the program. So drop us a line, don at rsvptrust.co.uk and do visit our website, which is the same, www.rsvptrust.co.uk. Until next time, this is Don Egan saying goodbye and thanks for listening today. The RSVP Trust changing lives around the world.